welcome to Flamenco Attitude. This is the podcast where we love to bring you all things flamenco. Welcome to our new listeners. I hope you enjoy this episode that you're first going to hear. And for all our returning listeners, I hope you're ready for another great episode on another great artist that we're going to talk about. Maybe you would like to actually have a look, have a listen back at our episodes on flamenco politics and also our episode on flamenco festivals. I think we actually have a few because the person that we're going to talk about today is very much connected to both. His name is Diego del Gastor and he is very much connected to Moron, but here's the catch. He is not from Moron and he is not from Gastor. Did we kind of capture interest now? And actually, there are very few actual recordings of him performing. So he's a little bit of a myth, of a legend of, of the genre. Marcos has uh, met a lot of his descendants who keep up the legend alive. They keep up his art alive. And there are many things about his extraordinary life that we're going to cover and also tell you about a particular festival that happens in Moron that he's associated with and actually it's very much alive to this day. This is the episode on a flamenco myth, flamenco legend, Diego del Gastor. Yeah, I mean they don't come much bigger than, than Diego del Gastor because he is seen as one of the greatest ever guitarists and I can tell you that even Paco de Lucia, if he was still alive, would agree with that because he went to see him as a young boy. But we'll start with the problem of his name. Now, artists in flamenco tend to take their names from either the, the village or town they came from, or it could be something to do with, with clothing, you know, El Chaqueta, or it could be, do, as in the case of Camarón, all his, all his brothers uh, are named after either mariscos or fish, you know, mm. so his brother Pichotti, he's Camarón, which, which is a, a small prawn, you know, so these are all the way people are named. Very rarely do flamenco artists uh, have their actual name. And so, of course, in the old days, in the 30s, everybody was Nino or Nina, so you had Nino Ricardo, La Nina de los How Pens. about Estrella Morente? Well, that's a proper name, you see. Exactly. So rarely, but we have it sometimes. Well, yeah, but <clears throat> well, we won't go down that one. Um, so in the case of, of Diego, he's, he's actually... We've, we mentioned the name. He's associated, obviously, this word, he's synonymous with Moron. But he's not from Moron. But he's not from Moron. He's not and, from Gastor, And then he's got the name, he is, Blah Diego <laughs> of Gastor, which I'm going to talk about because I was there only recently. Uh, but in fact, he's from Ariati. So he, he doesn't come from either of those places. Uh, what, what we've got here is a case of where he... He was actually, we're going to talk about his politics a bit later, but he was born in, in an area where his father used to get involved with the, the very uh, high politics of, of Ronda, um, where you probably wouldn't know this, but Ronda wanted to become totally independent. So there was a move towards Andalusian independence and a move that Ronda would become independent. So he starts life in Ariati, but he does go to Gastor. Uh, and in Gastor, as, as we will talk about later on, there are, there's a wonderful uh, monument to him, 
Um, but we'll talk about later, really, what the real instrument of Gastor is, which is, makes things a little bit more complicated. Stop teasing me and tell me why he's not from Gastor or what. Well, well, he, well, he, well, he's not because he, he was born in Ariati, as I told you. So he goes to Gastor. Um, later on, he finally moves to Morón, Morón de la Frontera, where he creates this incredible school of playing, which is totally different to any of the type of flamenco playing that had gone before. So he doesn't play like anybody before. Uh, how he did, I mean, a big mystery is really where it all came from. Yeah, it was his family a little bit like other artists' families. We, we talked about, obviously, Rafael Riqueni, we mm. talked about Paco Dulcia. Was it a type of artistic family? Yeah, I mean, his father did play the guitar. So the, the, the possibly, there is a little possibly bit of came, that. came from that. Yeah. But when you analyse what he did on the guitar, it's very hard to work out where it came from, apart from him and his extraordinary life, which we're, we're going to explore. So I'll solve the mystery. Maybe he should have been called Diego de Ariati. It doesn't have the ring to it quite like Diego del Gastor, does it? Though? I know, but then... Uh, you know, people have then moved on from that and people say, like, you know, to do with all his nephews and various uh, uh, offspring, you get, like, Diego de Morón, you know, but so he would have been better being Diego de Morón, mm. but he's del Gastor. Yeah. Was he one of the first artists you came across um, when you, you know, became interested in flamenco? Because I would assume he's from a, an older generation of, yeah. performers. Yeah, I mean, sadly, he, he died uh, before I, I went to Morong. Mm. But um, no, I mean, when I was a very young boy, you you, you studied people like Nino Ricardo, Sabicas, which we're going to come on to a story about Sabicas with, with Diego. And I wasn't aware of Diego too much later. And then uh, as I became a teenager, I became more and more interested. One of the reasons why you didn't really uh, be interested in him or study him was because, of course, you couldn't buy any records. You know, there wasn't anything available because he always refused to record. Um, he wasn't interested in that. And so you, what you were left is what I've now got stacks of in, in my humble museum is private recordings. And there are endless recordings at these crazy parties that you've been having a look at the photographs. And, of course, the some of the quality is not fantastic. It's just people recording it on primitive magnifying you know on real to real tape recorders and that's all mainly there are a couple of records but um they're, they're quite rare so you wouldn't have come into contact with this plane i mean we we used to study galley by uh, you know putting a record on and slowing it down to half speed you know we had these little record players that you could play 33 and a third at half speed and of course because he hadn't made any records you didn't really learn his style but much later i became fascinated with him and you know, there's a story we'll come on to in a moment about how I got to Morong against the will of my maestro, who never wanted me to go there. Pepe Martinez, Pepe Martinez who we dedicated the whole episode. But before yeah. we go on to that, for our listeners on Spotify, what would you recommend to start off, set the mood and go on to the stories? Well, I think we should we should hear uh, how the best way of hearing how he how he played is to listen to one of his descendants, which interestingly, it's he's called. Paco del Gastor, and he's playing some bulleria. Against your teacher Pepe Martinez' better judgment, in the 80s, you decided to go to... 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was studying with Pepe in the 80s and also uh, touring around, playing with him and everything. And he, whenever I brought up Morong, uh, oh no. You got the slap on the you, wrist. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. <laughs> but the, why? Why? Why was that? I, I don't know. About? I mean, the great thing about, about Pepe was even when, when I was in, in Sevilla and I'm saying, I'm going to this festival tonight, and he'd say, oh no, 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 don't, don't, don't go there. And, but then he said, well, well, if you must, but make sure you come back here. I'll, I'll have a brandy waiting for you. Right? So I'd go back and he'd want to know exactly, exactly what's what happened. happened. Okay. <laughs> so you were in a way, he doesn't want to go, but he has you going. Yeah. So what happened when you, um, so you went to Moron in the yeah, 80s. I decided to ignore his advice. Ignored his advice. And go, yeah. Now Moron is, is about uh, about 40 minutes, uh, a little over that from from. The heart of Seville from the bus station, and um, I landed there, and I took a, a taxi up this. It's very steep parts of, of Morong because obviously it's de la Frontera, so it's a, it's a lookout post, and um, the the taxi was absolutely ancient. <laughs> I hadn't seen <laughs> one that old, and it was struggling to get up the hill. You know, the, and I remember vividly the tires all screeching and whirring round as it was trying to get up the hill. And I've been told where to go and stay. And this is a place which links us to Diego del Gastor, yeah. because this is where he stayed. And it's the, it's the, the Fonda Pascual. So it's like a hostel, but it's, it's a Fonda. And it's right, it's, it was right in the heart of Moron, next to the town hall, or obviously the town hall, um, near the police station. And, and that was the only place you could stay. So I checked in with a man or who was a young man then who was later become a very close friend of mine in his still and he was obviously doing the checking in and he ran a telephone exchange down the other side of the road wow telephone exchange telephone exchange yes if you wanted wow. to make a phone call you had to go a and, real and he put you in one of the cabins yeah and mm. connect you up uh, he and so i didn't know this person at all so i got into my room and i'd taken one of my ramirez guitars there and i started playing and then I put the guitar down and thought, I'll go for a stroll. And everywhere I went, to the market, <clears throat> all over, I looked, and there he was, behind me. And I thought, what's, you know, so I, I couldn't, you know, I knew he was following me, so he followed me everywhere. Did you know it was him? Yes, I could recognise him. So I then got back to, to the room and started playing again. And then suddenly the door opened. And Not it, even a knock, it no, just opens, right? And in came... Uh, a man called Nino and he's known as Nino de la Fonda and he's a flamenco player and there he was and he wanted to, to meet me formally because he was really enjoying the playing and that's how we got to uh, become great friends and, and we've worked, you know, we've done all kinds of things together over the years and of course a great story about Nino is that because he lived um, there with his father and mother as, as a boy um, if, if you if you go on this video series, um, Rito e Geografia, uh, or the what the episode on Diego del Gastor, these were films made in the Franco era about flamenco. You'll see Diego proudly walking down the street, and there's a very annoying boy jumping up all the time, trying to get in the way of the camera and Diego. And this is none other than Nino, and Diego gets hold of his ear. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> it gives it a good tweak, yeah. As you should, <laughs> as, you should. as you should. So I um, mean, you know, that, and um, sadly, the fonder is no longer there. 
but uh, it was a great, great experience. I mean, you know, I've, I've been, fell in love with Morong, and I, I mean, I'm going there quite shortly, as you know, yeah, on a special trip because it's the home of the gazpacho. It's home of the gazpacho. We don't want to say too much, no. but we are working on a special episode, something to do with that, and we're going to let you know in more I'll keep detail. My cards close to my chest. Absolutely, you should. Anything else to recommend before we move on? Well, a certain... T- oh, in the way of music, yeah? Please. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think... Let's take do another take and look at the influence uh, of Diego. One of the great bands, flamenco bands, gypsy bands, is Pata Negra. And Raimundo uh, and, and his brother, Rafael, they used to go to Moron and try and learn guitar off of the uh, American servicemen. Um, and as you know, we've, we've already... We've, We've talked about the, their influence on music, and there is a there's a track called Blues de la Frontera, and this is where, as young boys, they learn the blues from 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 the the GIs, the the American servicemen on the bass, which is in Morong, and then they've combined it into the flamenco of Diego. So this track that we're going to hear now starts off really jazzy, and then it will go into the absolute classic. Lick or falsetta of Diego del Castor. For our listeners on Spotify, that's for you. Shall we take a step back and talk about Diego's early years? Because he grew up very much while the war was raging. And you were going to tell me which war and why that's significant. And also the politics of Ronda, which you mentioned. Yeah. Well, let's, we need to start before the war or the revolution. Um you know, obviously, in his early, you know, they always say that that, that gypsies are, aren't uh, political, but clearly Diego um, did get involved in politics to a certain degree uh, through his father. And at the time, the early years before before the war, you had a, a prominent figure who's now known as the as the father of Andalusia, Bra Infanti, and he was campaigning tirelessly for independence for Andalusia. Uh, and when Diego moved to Morong, there was a there was a, an incident when he came along the river, the great river Guadalquivir, and he saw that what was happening that the the the, uh, the fascists, whatever you want to call them, the nationalists were going to or moving to take over the country. And he was quite worried about that. Um, when he got back Morong, it, it said that he he saw some posters f- for their campaign, and he obviously I don't know exactly what he wrote, but he wrote something that what that they didn't like across their posters, and so he was arrested, and um, it was decided that he would have to be I think executed. Uh, his brother, as we understand it, tried to negotiate. And, and said, well, look, you see, Diego was a fairly wealthy person and he had quite a big finca, ranch, you know, and animals. And they said, well, look, if you spare his life, um, we'll, we'll hand over all his, all his land and all his animals and all the rest of it. And they agreed on that. And that was the start of Diego becoming really a bohemian, you know, a bohemian, as they say. And so he... he lived through the war which he called it um, Una Guerra de los Payos and so he said it, it's a war of non-gypsies 
is the best way to translate that. And so it's it's nothing. It's a war that has nothing to do with gypsy people, and didn't want to be part of anything to do with that. And you know, uh, he then starts to uh, just wander around the, the Morong. He he liked what he called his green wine, and he would just play for himself and for other people, but never really it was interested in money or anything like that. So he wasn't, uh, because you mentioned that he hates recordings, he didn't like yeah. to record, he didn't want to be a professional. No. Although he was better than most professionals. The what, what, uh, how did he kind of earn his keep then? Well, he probably, people bought him things and he probably had a small sum of money to, to, to pay the father of Nino to stay there in, 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 the, in the hostel, um, you know, Possibly he got paid a small amount of money for playing when um, this thing that we're going to talk about soon, this big centre for flamenco studies opened up with all the people from the United States coming. This is the, the Finca Espatero. Um, he possibly got a small amount of money because he played there with the greats like Fernanda. Evenings would be arranged for the tourists that came, uh, you know. But he wasn't really interested, you know. I mean, you, you can see this wonderful photograph that's, mm -hmm. that's in front of us. There he is in Bar Pepe. And you can see he's a humble man and he's just having a little something to eat. And, you know, that was his life. Yeah. But, of course, you're, you're, going to be asked, you're going to ask me about when a rather big fish came to town. Called Savika. Tio Savikas. Yeah, well, yeah, you like that because uh, that's when Paco did his tribute to him. We've he played called Tio, Tio Savikas, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Savikas, you've got to realise, was living in the United States because he left Spain during, the, during the, the revolution and the war. And he'd become a very famous man in the United States, producing vast amounts of LPs. But he was fascinated by Diego. And the story goes that he, he came to sort him out and he brought three guitars for Diego as a present, top whack guitars. Anyway, somebody ran up the street and said, Diego, Sabicus is here, he wants to see you. And, and Diego was so scared, he, he just climbed out of the window and ran, you know. And I don't know whether they ever even met. And much later, he got one of these guitars. And I think, you know, before the first week was out, he managed to sit on it and break it. How did that happen, Mark? <laughs> but why was he... Because if somebody you look up to, you know, if, if an opportunity presents itself that you're going to meet them, why would you run away? Would you run away? Um, well, you've got to realise he's a very modest man, a very humble man, and... Yes, he. I don't know whether I would, no, but he would be nervous with that because he knew that he'd be saying, oh, you're a brilliant player, some of this, and he just never wanted that kind of thing, you know. Mm. He'd rather do it his own way. So somebody, I mean, obviously, if you think about it, when he was playing in these impromptu sessions, people like Paco de Lucia, as a young boy, would be there, you know, brought by his father to watch him play. Um, but... Being told that such a big fish was in town, that would be too much for him. Then how did he ever get to record anything? An album, because we have, we have a different albums and we're going to play, actually... Well, he didn't. I mean, there's possibly one thing available where he's accompanying somebody, but none of his actual solos, as far as I know, have ever been issued. I mean, it, it relates to when we, we did... We did uh, when we were talking about Mario Pacheco, because Mario wanted to come and visit me to, to investigate all these uh, private puerga, private party recordings I've got to see whether they could be improved and, and a record made of it, you know? But, sure. but it never happened. So, you know, 
I'm afraid uh, your best bet really to, is to go on 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 the on YouTube and things like that and see uh, old footage of him playing. Yeah, well, if anyone is listening on Spotify, what let's kind of recommend something the the closest thing that would come. Well, I mean, the people that have carried on, which we're going to talk about, there's also formed a, a very very famous group, uh, Son de la Frontera. And obviously two of his descendants are in, in that. And they are actually, they've modernised uh, some of his playing to, to put it into a, a slightly more modern context. But it is his original licks and inspiration of it. And of course they, they won a World Music Award, the best world band for for their, their performances. So we'll hear another. I mean, I think we're playing Endless Bulleria because obviously that's, that's what, he what he's famous for. So, Son de la Frontera. Interestingly enough, even singers only were fascinated by him, like Fernanda de Utrer. Tell me a little bit about it. We've, when we talked about Ladies of Flamenco, we yeah. mentioned her as well. But, uh, Fernanda, I would say Utrer is just another another town, yeah. very close. And we talk about the Golden Triangle cause of Flamenco, because you've got Morong, Lebrica and Utrera. And, you know, they say the guitar comes from Morong and the song from Utrera. Fernanda worshipped him um, and used to come to Morong a lot to be accompanied by him and vice versa. Um, she thought he was fantastic because one of the things about Diego, he observes all the rules. He can play on his own blinding material, right? But when he plays with a singer, he just gently strokes the odd chord and concentrates completely, not, not wanting to take any attention away from the singer. So he just keeps it very, very simple. And that's why he was liked by a lot of the, the great gypsy artists, because he doesn't try, as has happened with a lot of artists in recent times, oh, here's my chance to really play in most outstanding lick. Yeah. You know? were they, were, do you know of any kind of stories or any interviews that Fernanda gave about that? or? I, I don't know, but, I mean, obviously there's numerous photographs yes. of, of this this finca that was set up it's on the on the outskirts yes, of Morong. finca espartero. espartero what is this yeah well a finca is is like a, a farm you know a ranch yeah it's a big it's a, you know it's a, like you have a farmhouse and an area of land the espartero refers to this special grass that grows in in the outskirts of Morong. Um, it's almost like the word asparagus but it's slightly different um and the, the amazing thing about this is that people, Don Porron set this up. He'd been in the in the in the army, the United States Army. So he'd been stationed, I presume, at, in Morong at the base. Which actually, we should explain this that um, as time went on, the Franco regime started to run into lots of financial difficulties, and. The United States became more interested in him and offered him, well, if we if we give you some money, we would want to put some bases. And so he agreed. So he gave a base in Morong and a naval base in Rota, which exists still to this day. So if technically the land outside of Morong town is United States land where they've got this base. And through this, this, this man, Don Porron, he uh, learned flamenco. He's written many, many books on flamenco. 
and I think we'll recommend the one that you've got in front of you there because that deals specifically with Diego and the life of Diego. It's called A Way of Life. Yeah, do you like the cover? I do. We have a typical poem, not Paul Mister, but yeah, someone yeah. who was... Oh yeah, it's one, one of the great singers that he sang for and you've already seen the wacky pictures in there of the parties. I mean, I describe some it. of these galleries. <laughs> well, uh, what, what actually fascinated me first was I saw a humongous guitar. <laughs> we, you need at least three people to be able to handle it, but there yep. is a single man yep. surrounded by many yep. people. It's bigger than the men, isn't it? Big, big. Okay, I love this sentence. What it, it, big it, men play big guitars. Yeah. That's literally what it says. Yeah, I mean, this photo at, shows some Casa Pepe regulars around 65, yeah. around 1965. Diego and Juanito are fourth and fifth from left, respectively. Gregorio is handing up the big guitar and Pepe of Casa Pepe, <laughs> right, on the right, sports his favorite apron. I love it. Yeah. Photo by the older. I'm going to take this for social you media, Marcus. Well, that, that's the owner of the very bar you can see there. Well, and look at the you spotted straight away the insignia above the door is of Real Betis, yes. the football club of the Flamenco people. Yeah, that's it's great. Yeah, I mean, um, so that's a very good book. It, it's a, a very easy read, as you can see, it's not a massive tome, and that's got all the stories of, of, of the parties. So you imagine that people came out to Morong. And Don Porran showed them round and would obviously say, well, tonight we've got coming Fernanda de Utrera or whatever, you know. Well, I think it's a perfect um, opportunity to break up with a little Fernanda because we, b before we move on to your personal stories, what would you recommend, Marcos? Well, any Solia, that is her style, Solia. Now, once obviously, sadly, he is gone, his descendants continue the legend, continue the... the. I think, because he's somebody who we don't have actual recordings from and all that, I think I'm going to call this episode a flamenco myth yeah. or a legend, yeah. you know, who was... Un, un mito flamenco. Un mito flamenco. Yeah. But I think you, you're right in a way, because he's, I suppose, in a way even more rare than, than Camarón, because how many people could actually say... They've, act, they've ever seen him play live, you know? Very, I mean, I've very, very, very yeah, few. And you haven't? No. And you don't know anyone who has? Because he, he died before, um, you know, I was quite young then, before I had first gone, because he died in the 70s. Well, actually, because you um, know some of his grandchildren, yeah. have they told you that they've seen him play? Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 as you know, I do concerts with Ignacio de Amparo, uh, who obviously he's a direct descendant. He but, is uh, one of Diego's sister's son. That's right. Yeah, grandson, I think. Grandson. Yeah. Um, and if we start with the artist, well, we've already played a track of Paco del Gastor. Now, obviously, he is he is a descendant. And he's and he's taking the name. I met Paco on many occasions, and I see him most years when the Gaspar show is on. And I used to have lovely time with him Saturday afternoon. Uh, in the Peña Flamenca, they used to always play dominoes. And he, Paco is a very keen domino player. And you know the way they play. They've got, they've got the, the, uh, the chips, I forgot the correct name for what they're called, stacked up. And then when they play them, they slam them down on the, on, on the table. You know, you don't place it down, you, you know, like that. Mm. And um, I used to meet him a lot then. And then I, I know his brother very well, um, Ramon. And he, uh, he, 
in those days he played a trick on me and completely tuned my strings on the guitar all wrong so I'd be very much out of tune this is typical Morong is all about playing tricks on people right. that, that's what the place is that's all about that's why you love it though because yeah. you like playing I tricks love... on people and in fact I mean uh, he he often uh, used to accompany Camarong. so when Camarong first played in the Gaspacho the accompanist w w was Paco's brother uh, Ramon so you know uh, and then um, I met him last last year in, in this special time of the year uh, when everyone gathers and the streets are closed off the police close off the streets to cars and everywhere all the restaurants serve tagarina and you know, tagarina is the best way to describe it it only comes up at this one time of the year and then it's cooked and served free of charge what is, what is... It's the closest you could say is it is a Scottish thistle Oh. Yeah, it's quite delicious, and all the restaurants um, boil it up, and it's free. You know, every, everything's free. And I met Ramon then, um, uh, you know, just just in the square there, and we had a lovely chat. You know, and then of course there, incredibly, uh, we went to one gazpacho where their sons are playing. Were playing, you know. So the it's kept the thing, the, the legacy of Diego del Gastor goes on and on and on. But a key person that I must mention is Diaguito. And um, I'm, I'm going to especially send you one of my prized possessions, a lovely photograph of me with Diaguito. In that time of the 80s, I spent an afternoon with him in an old stable swapping licks and stuff. He is the most incredible player. And he is very, very uh, famous because he, he is, you know, very much like, like Diego was. And that's Diaguito. I don't know whether you'll have a track with him, whether any of his music is available, but if it, if it is, we definitely would like to play. What, what would oh, well, again, you've got to play Bulleria from here. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, and because we were talking a lot about the 60s, but the 40s is also prominent because poverty in Moran was really rampant. Yeah, it, it was. And um, it was very bad because people just didn't have hardly anything to eat. And that carried on into the 50s, the same. It's very, very hard. Spain was really up against it. Um, and it wasn't getting a lot of support. I mean, life was terrible, really, for many, many people. And then, of course, you you start to get a big political movements um, against the regime. And one of the key parts in the war against the regime becomes, in the 60s, flamenco. Because the song, Canta Canti, and Diego was very much involved in that and people start singing very, very political songs mm. against the regime um, and that becomes a, a kind of, and that's why you you got in bars and you still see these signs even now it, it says Prohibido El Cante so it, it says before you go in the bar singing flamenco is not allowed yeah, that's how, how they were worried about it because it, it energised people you know, and obviously Diego would have been very part of that in, in, in the 60s. Moving on to something a little bit more jolly. Yeah. The parties, because again, in your book that you've already talked about, we have people, Marcos, I've never seen this, people putting pots and pans on their heads. Yeah. What's that about? Well, it comes from, as I said to him, Morong, they like to play tricks on people and this man that was running this this place uh, the finca 
they played loads of tricks on him all the time and putting pots and pans on on your head was a typical thing that they did uh, they play all kinds of tricks with people with their food and, and all of that just to have a laugh with them mm. and this is the way because the flamenco people particularly in morong enjoy life you know they they don't take anything too seriously only when they're actually playing so as you can see they'd like pouring you know hot chocolate on people's heads or pots and pans anything you like you know just to to liven things up right and this carries on uh, you know even to today that that sort of tradition how was uh, um Diego involved in this well he there are there are, there are if you go on on things like youtube you'll see pictures of him wearing the most extraordinary headgear not pots and pans <laughs> like a sort of um lot of cloth wrapped round like oh you know my God. i mean you you'd have to it's, i couldn't describe what it is but it's you'll you'll see him doing all sorts of yeah. very strange things the interesting thing about him as well actually a bit like camarong but he could get quite nasty when people were talking and you'll notice this in these classic films he's concentrating on the plane and he keeps looking over because there's somebody talking and you see him go shh and he starts to really and then he carries on and they ca- and, and he looks at them like this shh you know and he's doing this all while and, so he's full of personality yeah, then, I he, love he it. didn't like talking when you know well what will be the last kind of more jolly song more party if you will party flamenco song Well, I'm going to leave that to you because there are ones where what um, Sondela Frontera brought in was a different thing. So I'm going to let you find one. They do play in the major key because we've been playing a lot of stuff in the minor key, which is all a bit hardcore. So you you go through the tracks and I'll let you choose one that I think you'll like. Oh, challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Um, but of course, what we haven't mentioned is I um, I've been to Gastor. Only, only recently, and so I had a good laughing in Gastor. Now, what's interesting about El Gastor, they have got up some ceramics, homage to Diego. They have got up the statue, which I think you're going to to publish. And but the problem is, as I said to the people in the town hall, it's in the wrong place. It's right out in a park, so it's not in the town hall. Or outside the town hall, it's right out, and you know he's like seen as one of the legends of Gastor. But of course, the problem is, the the instrument of the Gastoreños is the a kind of a horn bagpipe, mm. which you've probably seen a picture of me blowing into one. So that's their actual instrument, and that's outside the town hall. They've got one of those made of copper, a giant one. So that's their symbol. So that's a kind of weird sort of thing. But they did agree with me that maybe, this is how influential I am, that the statue should, in fact, be moved wow. to, outside the, to outside the town hall, uh, where it would be better. And, of course, what was great is I play a lot with, with one of the great descendants of, uh, of Morong, of Diego, Ignacio de Amparo. We do concerts uh, together, and he's brought out a new album, which I know, sadly, is not on your list at the moment, but hopefully it will be. And we both met in Gastor, and he brought his new album. He was very proud of it. it; hadn't been released, and we played right outside the town hall together for quite a few hours and had something to eat. And the, the man running the, the bar there thought it was absolutely fantastic. So we brought back, you know, the spirit of, of, of Diego to to Gastor. Um, Well, one thing I would say to anybody, if they are they are thinking of visiting um, Morong and they want to discover the old life 
of uh, Diego a good place to go because it's filled with memorabilia of him and his descendants, Dieguito, etc. It is uh, the Bar Pavia, the Pavia. And that is, and what's curious about this bar, apart from the fact it's so nice inside with all the, all the pictures, is it doesn't allow any sort of advertising or any name outside. It, it doesn't, it's not, it's not allowed. So everything is just painted with just a colour. There's no, nothing allowed. So you won't see outside Bar Pavia, Pepsi Cola or anything like that. Mm. They, they don't have any advertising at all, um, which makes it uh, quite unique. Um, so I mean, you know, I know you want to end on the the big festival of, of Morong. Are we can, going to talk about it? Well, we won't talk about what our plans are, but we can talk about what happens there. Okay, yeah. Tell yeah, me well, about the gazpacho. Well, the gazpacho. Now, the problem with this is, as soon as you say gazpacho, people say, "Oh, what that cold soup." So that's wrong for a start off. Um, it's not soup. It is served cold, but the problem with this is it's it's two things really. The Gaspacho is one of the most important flamenco festivals in the calendar. Why is it called the Gaspacho? Well, because traditionally, in the interval, free of charge, Gaspacho is served. This comes from an idea when these festivals were set up that the the gypsy people raised money for their charities, so they gave out different different foods and you you put some money in you con- contributed to the the charity um and and this still goes on but actually you see the gaspacho is is a bowl which you know i've got some of them up there sitting up there there is the bowl and you, you really traditionally you you wash your your vegetables in the countryside in some water and then you lifted the bowl in your left hand and you drank the water down and that was what was the gazpacho, because it refers to the bowl, not to the what we now know as liquidised tomatoes, cucumber, onion, garlic, breadcrumbs, etc., added water, yeah? Mm. Uh, so that's, that's that. And the gazpacho is held every year in July. It's one of the three main festivals. You've got the Potaki in Utrera, and you've got the Caracola in Labrica, which is where you'll get snails. In, in Utrera, you'll get a sort of stew, Yeah. But fortunately for me, as a, as a vegetarian, in 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 Morong you get gazpacho, uh, and it's it makes the thing very nice. So it's a big night. Most people in the in the in the town go to it. Those who don't sometimes go. Oh, they say, oh, what happened? How was it this year? You know the whole talk. So when I get the bus out, the man, the driver will say, oh, are you going to the gazpacho? And I go, yeah, yeah. Oh, who's on? You know they all want to know who 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 have they booked, and um, many many years ago. Uh, I met a man on the coach going to uh, the Gaspacho and he wasn't only going to it, he was about to play in it. And he'd been, it was a special anniversary and he'd been asked to come all the way from Barcelona. So he got on, latched onto me and he said, you know, can, can you show me, it's so many years, it's 25 years since I've been in Morong, I don't even know how to get to this hostel, you know. So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, he wanted to stop all the way along the, along the road um, with uh, all the bars and seeing the flamenco painting. I said, look, it's getting very late. We won't get in. And of course, the place was closed when we got there. So he, did the, he did the classic throwing a little stone up at the window right. trick. Yeah? Uh, anyway, no sooner that happened, he then said, you're my agent. He said, I said, well, no. And he said, yes, yes. 
He said, "You've got. I, I've got to sleep now, but you need to go to the town hall and sort out my well, money." How convenient! Yeah, because so <laughs> I, I, he said I don't do check, and I said, "Oh, okay." Um, so I had to go to the town hall and see a multitude of different functionarios and see how I could arrange for him to have cash. Anyway, I thought having succeeded in that, I'm, my my work as his agent is done. But it wasn't. You were wrong. So in the actual performance. He had to accompany a singer, and he said to me, um, "Find out what, where he wants the capo. You know, the sahia, what position? You know, for the pitch of his singing, because some singers sing at high as number seven, could be at five, three, whatever, or without. You know." And he, I said, "Don't think you should talk to him about it, because you're no, no, no. I don't. You, you negotiate what he does, what he what he wants, and then come back and tell me." So it's most extraordinary experience that. Uh, so for. A, for a matter of days, I was this man's agent. So I would recommend anybody, if they get the chance, visit Morong, share the experiences of Diego del Gastor, and possibly, if you really can, go at the time of the Gaspacho. Well, thank you very much for joining us for another extraordinary episode on one of the flamenco greats. I know that we have had a separate episode on uh, who they are from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. But I feel the Ecodoga store is his own person, his own great artist that we kind of unraveled the life of in this episode. And I was happy to find out that Marcos is a little bit of an influencer as well uh, in the town of Gastor. Once again, we are working on a special episode that is probably going to come out towards the summertime. And I can't tell you too much about it because it's in the works. But we are really working on bringing different things this year because we have covered a lot of different sides of the culture and we would like to go a little bit more livelier that's all i'm gonna say uh now more to come but i do hope you're enjoying the episodes as they are right now until the next time whether you listen to play or learn about flamenco remember to always follow the beat (laughs) 